Lord. Oh, amazing. All right. So, so Second Peter. Let's open up to Second Peter, and and we know who wrote Second Peter. That would be who. Peter. Peter. Okay, meet Pete. Remember we did meet Pete back a little while, ways ago? Okay, the same Pete, but he's older. That means he's wiser. Okay, that means that as the Holy Spirit is carrying him along, okay, this sweet dude, okay, is now, is this, you know, is walking in the Holy Spirit, right? He, you know, remember, he stood up at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, you know, 3,000 souls came to him. And now, Second Peter was written between 65 A.D. and 68 A.D. And we know that because at 68 A.D. is, um, is when um, uh, Nero uh, was... That it was during the Nero reign, and Nero quit reigning in 68 AD. Okay, and Peter wrote this under Nero. Nero persecuted Christians. You know the whole story of Nero. He hated Christians, and so, and so what happened is, is, is it's in the latter part of Peter's life that he's writing this. Okay, and and. Peter is martyred during the reign of Nero. Okay, martyred doesn't necessarily mean you were killed, but at this point it does. And if you remember, Jesus told him how he would be killed. Do you remember that? Crucified on the cross, but how? Upside down. Because he wasn't worthy of what? Being crucified like Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Oh, that's amazing. I mean, just like John the Baptist. Remember what he said? Behold the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Remember? And then he said, I'm just a voice. I, I don't, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Remember that? Same thing with Peter. It's like, oh no. No, I, you know, I can't. I'll be upside down. Wow. I mean, talk about in love with Christ. Right? Change life in love with Christ. So he is writing this, and he's writing to the same believers that he wrote to in 1 Peter. Okay? These are the same people who come to Christ at Pentecost, right? And then they had scattered back across the then known world. And so this is an encouragement letter to come to them to say, okay, here's the deal. Now I want to talk to you about the sure Christian life. I want you to be encouraged. In his first letter, in 1 Peter, what he was talking about is all the persecution that was happening from the outside in. Okay, here they are, body of believers, right, in churches. But there is a lot of persecution from the outside coming in to them, right? The Christians are being persecuted. In Second Peter, he's talking to them about the persecution inside the church because of the false teachers. There's false teachers that have now penetrated inside the body of Christ's church, and he's warning them. He's sharing, watch out. Okay, and so he's he's talking about how to deal with false teachers and evil doers who have come now into the church. You think that might be applicable for our day and age? Uh, yeah. Okay, just check it. All right. <laughs> All right. We know there's outside the church, right? But it's very applicable for this day and age. Okay, inside the church. All right. So, uh, secondly, he is sharing about you know continuing to stimulate their Christian growth. He's always, you know how we just need to be encouraged? You know, be encouraged. Be encouraged in the Lord. And he's showing them to be encouraged this way. Remember, they didn't have all of this. Okay? They didn't have all of this. We do. 
The whole inspired word of God, we have, right? They needed to be encouraged. And so he's encouraging them, how do you, how do you walk? How do you walk this way? You know, what you should be doing practically and then, and then spiritually as a whole, okay? And so, and so he's trying to stimulate their Christian growth. And then thirdly, he's teaching them how to watch for the Lord's return. Now, do you think this should be applicable for this day? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay, remember the horn is about here. Ambusher getting really ready. All right, so we are going to be learning about how to watch, be watchful for the Lord's return. Okay, all of this happens in just this three chapters. So it's just, it's chock full of incredibly great, um, sure Christian life growth for us. Okay, so I'm, I've been really excited about studying Second Peter. Okay, and so in the beginning, he wants to encourage us, okay, to know God. And what he has done for us. Notice he always, he starts at that point. Because it's not a practical thing where it's like do, 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 do. No, it's, it's you know God. And then you are filled up with him to overflowing. And this is how you walk in the sure Christian life. Okay? So turn to Second Peter uh, 1. And I just want to read uh, starting with verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Remember, there's always a greeting, always a greeting with the letters, right? To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, okay, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has given us, remember all believers, talking to all believers, okay, everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you need to underline that, increasing measure, okay? You just don't get them and then let them sit. Okay, increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, and I don't think any of us wake up in the morning and say, oh, you know what, I want to be ineffective and unproductive today. You know, I think that's what I'm going to go about my day and be. Okay, and he tells us this is how we continue to walk effectively and productively of our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, but if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to share, excuse me, to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. For if you do these things, in other words, if you partake in the divine nature and you increasingly add to your faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, this, okay, if you continue to have that as your one goal to know Jesus personally, passionately, powerfully, preeminently, okay, if you do these things, you will never fall. 
Because you know why? Your eyes are where? On Him. Absolutely right on Him. And He's changing you and so you, are, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And hear a hallelujah with that? Please. Woohoo! Amen. All right? So let's just look at the greeting. The greeting is really, really important. Okay? The greeting, when he says um, uh, to the believers, he says, Simon Peter, a bondservant. Okay? A bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, a bondservant is a doulos. Okay? D O U L O S. Doulos. That means it's the lowest of the low. You remember that? The lowest low. Those are the people who are serving, like, the slaves. Those are the lowest of the low. All right. So Peter is saying, hey, here I am, and I am Simon Peter. Okay, now, Simon was his name at what? Birth. At birth, right? His parents named him Simon. Remember Simon and Andrew were the, the brothers that were the fishermen that Jesus made disciples, right? Okay, and so his name is Simon. Okay, who named him Peter? Jesus. Jesus did, because he could then see his rock-like faith, right? And, and, and Petra, Peter, all right? So I love when he says, Simon Peter, the apostle himself, in his, in his maturity in Christ, in his sureness in his Christian life, in who Jesus is, the Son of God, and what he's done in his life, he first calls himself now a bondservant, right? And he calls himself Simon Peter. Very different from 1 Peter. 1 Peter, uh, he dictated most of it, and Silas wrote it down. Okay? 2 Peter, Peter actually wrote with his own hands. Okay? And so there's a bit of a style difference. But look at what Peter did. Now he's to the point where he's like, Simon Peter. Right? Simon Peter. Right? He realizes where he has come from. And he sees how much he's forgiven and how faithful God has been. But he knows who he is in Christ. He's Peter. Right? He's Simon Peter. I love that. Right? And and you know, he he doesn't want to forget where he's come from. Ladies, don't ever forget Amen. where you've come from. Don't ever forget how forgiving you are. Don't ever forget how faithful he is. Because once you start letting that go, then you lose your grateful heart. Then you think you've brought yourself to the point where you're at. Then you tend to be, you know, self-willful, this, this, this. Then you start, you know, it's me, myself. Then you start spiraling downward. Don't ever forget. You don't look back and ruminate and this and that from age, you know, 0 to 31 where I didn't know Christ and I rehash all the garbage. No, 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 no. You look back and go, whoa, look how far he's taken me. Look how faithful he is. Wow, I used to be this and now I'm this. Praise you, Lord. And it's only because of Jesus that you could be brought to that point. Only because of how you are partaking in his divine nature. Okay? We're going to learn partaking. You guys, it doesn't mean that his divine nature just lives in you, which he does. The Holy Spirit does. You have to partake in the divine nature. Okay? In other words, it's where you work out your salvation as he works in you. Okay? It isn't, you know, there you go, there's the Holy Spirit. No, by the way, you're sealed until, uh, you know, until uh, I see you face to face, okay? Which Ephesians 1.13 says, okay? However, you're going to miss all of what he has for you on this side of heaven because you're not partaking in his divine nature. You're not becoming more and more like him and less like your future itself. And so what's going to happen is you're going to fall and then you're going to look back and say, why do we keep falling? Why do we keep doing the same old thing? What is this? 
because you're not partaking in the divine nature. It's work. It's work. It's the most joy-filled work in the world, but it's work. It's work. And so, and so he says, okay, I'm Simon, but I'm Simon Peter, okay? And you know what? Maybe sometimes he still felt like the old Simon. You guys ever feel like the old person? Oh, yeah. But guess what? That's your feelings. Faith is not a feeling, right? You may feel like the old person, but you are not, right? You are standing firm in your faith that we learned in 1 Peter 5. You're standing firm in your faith. And as you stand firm in your faith, you resist the devil and he flees from you. Okay? And so that, so you, as you partake in the divine nature, you say, that isn't who I am anymore. I may feel that way right now, but I am not going there. Because I'm going to take my thoughts captive under the obedience of Jesus Christ. And this is who I am in Christ. And, and that's how you walk participating in the divine nature. Okay? So... So what happens is, is then uh, he calls himself this bond servant, and, as well as the apostle. Now remember, bond servant, the lowest of the low, and then apostle has all the authority, right? He's got the authority for the church. He's got the authority to appoint people. He's, you know, he's been an eyewitness of Jesus. I mean, apostle was a big deal, big deal. Okay, but he calls himself the bond servant first, and and. And then the apostle, okay? And so his standing as a bondservant is way more important to him than his standing as an apostle. Okay? You don't want to get a big head about where, who you are in Christ, right? Because you'd be nothing without him. You'd be absolutely nothing. And so, guess what? Being a bondservant of Jesus Christ is exactly where you want to stay. And you know, it's the safest place to stay too because back in that time, when you were a bondservant, when you were a slave, guess what? You had to be taken care of. You had to be fed three squares. You had to have, um, you had to have a bed. You had to have all this. The onus was put on the person who owned you. Do you understand me? The onus is put on the person who owned you to be able to provide all this for you. And if they did not, they would be in huge trouble. Do you see that with Jesus? Do you see that? See, the onus is on him. He owns us. We're everything because of him. And so we are safe. We are secure. We are fed. We are clothed. We are, you know, we are taken care of because guess what? Because he is the God who is enough. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who provides. He can't be anything else but. That's who he is. So being a bondservant of Jesus Christ, woo, that is the safest place that you are, right? And then, if, and then he goes, well, you know what? I want to be able to, to use you as this, to use you as that, to use this, this. You know, Peter, I want to use you as apostle. That's great. But always remember, you're a bondservant. You're a bondservant first. And that's so safe. And they would understand that. As Peter's writing this, they would understand that the onus isn't put on the slave. The onus is put on the slave owner. And so we get to be so taken care of, so taken care of. And I, I love when you go into the context of that and then look at that, okay? So then he goes on and says, To those who have obtained like precious faith. Okay, like precious faith. All right, so Peter is writing to um, those of the same salvation, okay? In other words, all believers, all believers who have come to know Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's living in them, okay? So he says, this faith was obtained, but it wasn't obtain, obtained by efforts of who? Us, of man, right? There's no way that we can have our righteousness, right? Our righteousness is like filthy what? 
rags, okay? So he says, yes, okay, like precious faith, okay, it's obtained, okay, not by any efforts of us. Not by any efforts, and he goes on to say, but by the righteousness of our God. Okay? Being made right with God. In other words, who he is, and through Jesus Christ, we are made righteous. No matter if it was Old Testament, where he'd go and say, yep, made righteous, made righteous, 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 I declare you righteous. Or if it's New Testament, yep, by Jesus' blood, by Jesus' blood, yep, he's already done it for you, yep, you're declared righteous. All right? It's always by faith, always by faith, whether it's Old T or New T, always by faith. Okay, so Abraham came to Christ. Read Hebrews 11. Abraham, by faith. Moses, by faith. You know, Sarah, by faith. Daniel, by faith. Always by faith. Okay, and so it's, he sees and we are made righteous by him. By him going after us. By him initiating and we respond. Then we partake in that divine nature. Okay, so... So Spurgeon, my sweet bug, Charles Haddon, says, He tells us, too, that faith is precious. And is it not precious? For it deals with precious things, with precious promises, with precious blood, with a precious redemption, with all the preciousness of the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think we read over words too quickly. Don't you? Right? Precious, like precious faith, precious promises, precious blood, right? Precious, preciousness of the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, okay? And he's talking to like precious faith. In other words, he's talking, you know, he's speaking to the fact that Jews and Gentiles, right? Jews and Gentiles enjoyed the same faith. It doesn't matter if you came from a Jewish background, you came from a Gentile background, as long as you know that Jesus Christ died for your sin and he is the Messiah, the Son of God, like precious faith. Remember? He, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. And so he's sharing that, you know, it's, it's, we enjoy Jew and Gentile alike, as long as we're in Christ, we enjoy like precious faith. Okay? And so the believing Gentiles, the believing Jews, all the same. All the same, because it's all the same Jesus. And so he he makes it very clear because you know back then there was a big division kind of thing. Big say, chosen people, and of course the chosen people, you know, he came unto his own and his own received him not, right? No, no, thanks. You you're not looking like a Messiah to me and as a little baby and this stuff, right? No, no. Just come on a big white horse, I'm still waiting for you, right? And he says, No, see, it's it's whoever believes, Jew or Gentile alike. And guess what? Everybody, you know, it's either Jew or Gentile. So he said, it's a like precious faith. So he goes on and he says, read here with me. Um, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Okay? Our God and Savior Jesus Christ. All right. The grammar of the ancient Greek proves that Peter is saying this. Je- when he says, our God and Savior Jesus Christ, he's saying this. Jesus Christ is our God and Savior. Okay? When you when you look up the original Greek grammar in that, when it's our God and Savior Jesus Christ, and it's very important because Peter is declaring Jesus Christ is our God and Savior. Period. Okay, remember? There is none other. He is God. He is our Savior. Okay? And I wrote this down um, 
uh, from the from the um, Bible dictionary. The expression God and our Savior is in a construction in the Greek text which demands that we translate our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The expression thus showing that Jesus Christ is the Christian's God. The grammar leaves little doubt that in these words Peter is calling Jesus Christ both God, deity, okay, and Savior. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. He's not, you know, he's God. He's God incarnate okay and he's so he says uh, both God and Savior it is an absolute proof that Peter calls Jesus Christ God even the, in the properest sense of the word that's extremely important not only for now you know not only for then but for now right unless you believe that Jesus is the God is the God the Yahweh God he is God all right in full that he's you know no one's seen God okay he is God incarnate, okay? And unless you believe that he is God, that's why all the miracles were done through all the Gospels, right? A miracle, the word miracle just means sign pointing to. That's all it means. Sign pointing to. And the reason the miracles were done, water into wine, you know, um, lame, healed, blind, healed, um, dead, brought to life. The reason Jesus walked through the earth at that time and had miracles, it was a sign pointing to that Jesus Christ equals God. It was to show his deity. It was to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt his deity. And Peter is saying, he is. You see this? He is. That's who he is. Okay? And so in verses 2 through 4, he goes and says, and this is still the greeting, still the greeting, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay, now, this greeting you know, is, is expanding. You know, he, he's doing a longer greeting. This greeting, he's, he's expanding that value of the knowledge of God. Okay, now, we're going to learn this knowledge doesn't mean that, you know, you become a smarter sinner. This isn't the knowledge part. Okay, we'll see what this is, all right? And he says, grace and peace, which are very typical, grace, Greek, peace, Hebrew, right? Because when you say it to the Gentiles, they would always say, grace be unto you. And when you talk with Jewish people, be shalom or peace. That would be a typical greeting. So he's covering both. Grace and peace be multiplied to you, okay? And so Peter's indicating that grace and peace, which, which are the two most precious of gifts, you guys, when you're walking through here knowing that you're standing fast in His grace, undeserved favor, and that you can walk through this life having the peace that surpasses all human understanding, those are precious gifts. Those are only as you partake in the divine nature. Only. Grace and peace. Because He lives in us. He is our grace. He is our peace. He's everything to us. And so He's saying those two precious gifts are are ours in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Those precious gifts, grace and peace, are ours. Okay? And so as we know God, we gain essential these essential foundations, grace and peace, for living. As we know him as we partake in his divine nature okay now go on to the next where he says in verse 3 his divine power 
Jesus, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Okay, let's just stop there for a minute. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Okay. Can you wrap yourself around that? All right. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life. Okay. Is anyone living here? Okay. All right. Living. All right. He gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Right? All. All things. All right. And so, um, not only those precious gifts of grace and peace, but now he says, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Through knowing him. Through knowing him, okay? So knowing God, knowing God is key to all things that pertain to life and godliness. Alright, let me read what Charles says. These things come to us through his divine power. Divine power. Who lives in us? Holy Spirit. Spirit of Christ, okay? Lives in us, alright? These things come to us through his divine power. Divine power. What stupendous issues are grasped in that term? Divine power. It was this which digged the deep foundations of the earth and sea. Divine power. It is this which guides the marches of the stars of heaven. Divine power. It is this which holds up the pillars of the universe and which one day shall shake them and hurry all things back to their native nothingness. Divine power. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in me, lives in you. We partake in that divine power. Okay, and and here it is. You guys, we are willing, we are willing to try anything except the knowledge of God. We are. That's how our bent is. That's how our, that's how man is made, right? We, our bent is, you know what? We, yeah, we have a great big hole where it never gets filled unless it's filled with Jesus Christ, okay? But our bent is that we are willing to try almost anything except the knowledge of Him, right? Well, rationalize this, go this way, look in there, do this, do that. we'll do anything except the knowledge of Him. We we will trust in schemes. We'll trust in plans. We'll trust in 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 in, in people. Okay, we will trust in anything, in the plans of men, instead of the knowledge of him. We tend to do that. We'll run after that. Right? I mean, just think of the times that you run after, you know, schemes or plans or what you thought was just this. And meanwhile, it's knowing him more. It's knowing him more. And the more you know him, he gives you everything you need for life and godliness. Okay? And you walk through it with grace and peace. Okay, doesn't make any sense, does it? To, when you're talking about it, just as we're sitting here. But it's in the midst of when it comes along that you need to realize it's knowing Him. Right? It's filled up to overflowing with knowing Him. And so what happens is, we need to come to the same place that the Apostle Paul did when he said in my life verse that Paul wrote in Philippians, Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. And becoming like him in death. So that somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. Is that your one goal? 
I want to know Christ. See, the more you know Him, the more you're known. That's grace and peace. That's fulfillment. See, you let him into every nook and cranny, every bedroom, every garage, every basement, every part of your life. You just, you know what, he just knows you. I want to know Christ. Where he stops and I start, you can't tell the difference. That's that Greek word I mentioned many times, intercourse. It's just like this, I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Becoming like him in death, right? Read Philippians 2. Becoming like him in his death so that somehow I can attain the resurrection from the dead. That's what he means, the knowledge of him. Knowing him. It's the experience. It's not the intellect. It's the heart. It's the mind, will, and emotions as you know him. And you know him. The Greek word knowledge doesn't refer to a casual acquaintance at all. It refers to an exact, complete, and thorough knowledge. Exact, complete, and thorough. And so our whole lifetime, we would get to know Christ. Because you'll never know him completely until you see him face to face. And then see, as you know him, Everything else pales in comparison. And and you realize that he really is running the show. You realize that you really love walking by faith and not by sight. You realize that the unseen really is way more important than what you see. You realize because you get to know him. And you're made known. He knows you. And as you know him, you walk through participating in the divine nature. It's, it becomes, you know, it becomes second nature to you. It's just you, you participate in the divine nature because that's your goal. It's your one goal in life is to know him. And then everything else flows out from that. So my question to ask you is, who do you know most in this world? Who do you know most in this world? You might say, you know, best friend from when you were little. You might say your mom. You might say your husband. You might say your kid. You know, I don't know. But who do you know? I mean, know most in this world. I mean, the word know, where it's exact, complete, thorough, where you know this person. Okay. That's who Jesus wants to be. He wants you to know him. And then he takes care of all the rest. He wants your desire to be, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship. I want to walk through this day knowing Christ. Because he, you know, and if you don't have that desire, ask him for it. Ask him for it. What is he going to say? No, I don't want you to know me. No, Chris, I wouldn't want you to know me. No, no, no. He, he's waiting there. He's like, what took you so long? Absolutely. I'll reveal myself more and more. You've got to be with me, right? You've got to be with me, okay? And so through the knowledge of him, right, as we learn of him, how do we learn of him? We learn of him through what? 
Through his word. His spoken word, right? We learn him through his word. We learn of him through communicating with him, right? Through prayer, through listening. We learn of him through the community of God's people, the, the body of Christ. These are all love gifts that he's left here for us. These are love gifts that he's left here for us. We learn of him through creation, okay? And, and so what happens is, is he continues to say, you know what? Here, here I am. Here I am. I'm revealing myself. I'm, I'm calling aloud to you from here. These are my spoken words. They're always going to be. Grass will wither, flowers will die, but the word of God will stand forever. I will always be. I'm speaking through this. You know, only book as you read it, it reads you, right? Because he's speaking. It's the word of God. It's as if, he, it's as if he's sitting right here speaking to us. Just like he spoke creation in, into, into, uh, into life and it, it became so. And so... You know, it's this, it's this lifelong journey as we get to know him. But it needs to be our goal as we participate in the divine nature. And so what happens is, you know, we learn, we learn more about, more about Jesus little by little, piece by piece. And then you remember what we read. We're, we are to possess these qualities, okay, in what? Increasing measure. Right, and we're going to go through those qualities as we as we walk through Second Peter. We're going to go through uh, specifically and see faith is the foundation, right? And then you add to it goodness. You guys, you can't you can't start at self control and then add faith. No, this is a stair step process. This is not a self help course. This is the way he absolutely put it. This is where you start. This is the next stair step. This is the next stair step. Then you add to this. Then you add to this. Then you add perseverance. Then you add this. These all are a process that we're becoming more and more like him as we want to know Christ. See, in, in fact, I used to look at it as a stair step kind of thing. And then, and then I thought, well, maybe it's more like an escalator, right? Where it just keeps going, going, until we see Jesus face to face. You just keep adding, adding, adding. And then I thought, um, a lady was sharing, I was sharing this with her, and she said, Margo, what if it was more like a water wheel? You know how there's a water wheel? We had a big cabin up um, in Augusta, Wisconsin, by Eau Claire, and it was right on Dell's Pond. It was just a beautiful area. And Dell's Pond had the Dell's Old Mill, grist mill, with the water wheel in it. It was just a beautiful um, red old grist mill. And and when you look at it, the water wheel just continues. But what happens is, is then the water is going over, right? So it's like streams of living water as you continue partaking in his divine nature, right? And you add to your faith goodness and goodness, um, knowledge and knowledge, and you continue to go. What happens is, is everyone else around you is benefiting as well because it's streams of living water that's pouring in and through you and out onto the next people. Okay, so, so as we're partaking in the divine nature, what happens is others are affected by us. That's a good thing. You guys, that's evangelism without even trying. Okay? All right? You don't have to go to any evangelism class. You just get to know Jesus more and more and more. And guess what? He's more caught than taught. Right? More caught than taught. You don't have to run up to somebody and go, you're going to hell in a handbasket. Where are you? Oh, Jesus. You know what? He takes care of all that. He goes before you on it. And see, it's a lifelong journey, step by step, step by step, another step, another step, another step, in which we learn and become more and more like Christ, okay? And so it's through our knowledge of him, our knowing him, that keeps us from being ineffective and unproductive. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be ineffective and unproductive in any area of my life. But it comes from knowing him. See, 
we think being effective and productive is based on the world standards. Oh, no. Oh, please. He, he does way more than we can ask, think, or imagine, Ephesians says, right? And as we know him, he allows us to be effective and productive. He puts us in places. He, he, he allows us to bump into people. He opens a door. He shuts the door. He's just, you're just walking by faith, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Look at that. Look what God's doing, right? As you get to know him, it's exciting. It's exciting. There's no more exciting life than getting to know him. And so what happens is, is we, as we keep walking that way, we, uh, the first thing we need to be in, of course, is to know all of his truth, right? We need to know God's truth, and that's the Bible. B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions, what? Before leaving earth, okay? Excellent. So we need to know that, okay? We need to know the word. We need to know that the word became flesh, okay? We need to know studying his written word, okay? Because this book, this Bible, rightly divides what? Truth from what? Error. Error. Truth from falsehood. It right hi Linda. It rightly divides truth from from falsehood, okay? And the book is precious. The book is unique. It's tried to be shot down for thousands of years. It cannot. It regroups. The more it's persecuted, the more, whoa, the more it just blasts out more and more and more because it's truth. And the truth is what sets you free. Because in these pages, in these pages of the Word of God is our eternal God revealing himself, revealing the love story that he has personally for you. For me. You guys, if you're missing out on your non-negotiable face-to-face time, you're never going to know Christ. You can be here. Praise God you're here. You can be under the word. Thank you, Lord. But you got to be in it for yourself. To know Christ. Steep in it. Wait on it. Listen for him. Okay? Because he's revealing his character. He's revealing his attributes. He's revealing who he is as the love story for us. Okay, And in the Bible, God is literally spelling it out for us. Do you understand that? You guys, he's spelling it out for us. We have everything we need for life and godliness. Right here. He's spelling it out for us. Right? We'll, we'll do anything else. For you know, for you know, physically well, or this, this, or if you take this pill, or if you do this, or whatever kind of thing, boy, we'll do anything like that, won't we? He's got everything here. He's spelling it out for us. So it's the word of God, okay? It's God's written word that Job, Job, clung to. Job, you remember Job? Oh my goodness, we will never be persecuted like Job was. I don't care where you are in life. I don't care what circumstance you're going through. I, you will never be persecuted. You will never go through what Job went through. I mean, God allowed Satan to absolutely have his way with Job. And then at the end, Job got back more than you asked thing or imagine. But here's what Job said. See, Job didn't know why all this was happening to him. He couldn't answer all the questions that God was asking him. Like, where, where were you, Job, when I hung the stars in the sky? Where were you when I put the moon up there? Where were you when I hung the sun? He's like, right? Right? Okay? And he's showing. But, you know, Job was honest before him. He knew him. He knew him. And guess what? God knew him. And so he was able to ask him that. He was able to be honest before him. Because you need to be honest before him. When he says, hey, you know, Margaret, where were you? You know, you think you're a big hot shot in this. Where were you when I did And I'm like, oh, I wasn't even. Right? It's him. 
It's absolutely him. And he didn't know why all those things were happening to him. He didn't have all the answers to the questions, okay? But he clung, he clung to the scriptures about God. And let me tell you something. He did not have this whole Bible. Amen. He clung to the scriptures about God. Listen to what he said. Write this verse down and memorize it. Job 23, 12. He said, Job is talking, I have not departed from the commandment of God's lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Hold in a minute. I have not departed from the commandment of God's lips. Commandment of God's lips is this. Commandment of God's lips. Right? He spoke it, and there it is. I have not departed. He didn't know why all this was going on, but he knew that he didn't depart the commandment of God's lips. You know what that means? That means he knew. He knew God. That means he was... You know, it doesn't mean you know the... I know the Bible. Yeah, I know the Bible. Oh, why don't you quiz me on it? Why don't you, you know, let's do a little sword drill. It's not, that's not what Job was doing. He knew God. God revealed himself through the word of God. Okay, and, and he said, I have not departed from the commandment of God's lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Is that convicting? Can you say that? I have treasured the words of your mouth, Lord. Not more than just food, not more than the food I like, not more, more than necessary food. More than the very existence. We need to eat to live. That's how we're made. Okay? And he's saying the necessary food that it is to, to live. And he said, I, I am treasured. He was growing in the knowledge of the holy. Now, if you've ever read, never read A.W. Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy, read it. Little short book, A.W. Tozer, Knowledge of the Holy. He was growing in the knowledge of the Holy, even though his circumstances were wretched. He wasn't going, why me, poor pitiful me, this, this. Well, I'll tell you what, his three friends were telling him that. His three friends were like, boy, well, you know, this is really bad. You know? I mean, I, I hope I don't have friends like that. right? And his wife is like, you know, Job, it'd be better off if you were dead. I mean, it's so awful. You know, like, Thanks a lot, dude. Thanks a lot, sweetheart. I love you too, right? Are you kidding me? He clung, he clung to the lips of God. And he treasured, he treasured the words of God's mouth more than his necessary food. And he was in wretched, wretched circumstances. How are you doing that? How are you doing that? That's convicting. That's extremely convicting. You know, and, and the thing is, we don't know what portion of the Bible that Job had. Okay, because, you know, that he had access back. Because if you remember, it, a lot of it was spoken. A lot of it was spoken. Spoken at first. Spoken. Spoken. And then they were able to write it down. Okay, so many, many times it was spoken. We have no idea what portion that he had. Okay, but I'll tell you what. It was a minuscule fraction of what we have now. And he clung to that. He clung to that, and it was more treasured than his necessary food, okay? And so he clung to the truth amidst all the uncertainty of life. You want to read a guy who's gone through uncertainty of life and wretchedness? Read Job. Just read it. Just open up the Word of God and read it. It it will blow your mind away. And meanwhile, 
Job stays strong. Job stays in the Word, right? You know why? Because his desire was the knowledge of the Holy, to know Him, and to partake in His divine nature, okay? He cherished God's Word as the treasure that it is. Do you cherish His Word? Do, does, does, it like, does it like sit there and like call you? You could hardly wait to be with Him? Do you cherish, cherish His Word? Because you know why? It's become a non-negotiable in Job's life, Right? It became a non-negotiable in his life. And, you know, you and I could search the world over for knowledge of secrets, you know, the secrets of this world, the successes of this world. We could travel for endless years, you know, in our nation's greatest universities. We could, you know, this, we, could, we could do whatever possibly we need to go no further than the Bible that's beside our bedside. And he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Right here. Right here. That's all we need, okay? You could find the greatest treasury of wisdom in the world because this book reveals God. The God, remember, that you cast all your cares on because he cares for you. The only God who cares for you. The God of all gods. And there it is. As we partake in his divine nature. He tells us all about his son Jesus. In whom, Colossians 2 says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So not only is it revealing God and, and from his lips, but it tells us of Jesus Christ. In whom, meaning in Jesus, okay, are hidden all the treasures, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Spirit of Christ lives in you. Holy Spirit. Okay. You guys, the Word of God. You want to know Him? Be in the Word. Right? The knowledge of Him. Secondly, is you need to be in prayer and worship. You know, this is not anything we haven't discussed before, but we will talk about it time and time again. We need to be in prayer and worship, okay? To be, to, to, when it comes to the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the Holy, to become more like Him, you have to be in worship and prayer. Because the Bible tells us, reveals to us about God. But we meet with him when we open our hearts, when we open our minds to his presence in worship and in prayer. We, we, we allow him to speak to us as we worship and pray. You guys, worship just doesn't mean song, you know. Worship is, a, is an attitude where, where you are totally, um, I am totally yours, Lord. You turn off all the distractions, you turn off all the stuff, and you're just totally His. Where you worship Him because He's worthy to be worshipped just because He's God. And you're not. And you're His little sweet underling that for some reason He created us in His image, made us a little lower than the angels, and sent His Son to die for us so that we can live here and there. Right? And He says, worship me. Pray to me. The more time that you spend with God, the more time that you are communing with Him and convening with Him in prayer and worship, talking to Him. By the way, don't just keep talking to Him. Listen. Listen to Him. Let Him speak to you. You guys, He will speak to you. I tell my kids every day, listen for Him. He's speaking. You might be yelling above Him, I'm telling you, you're missing out. Listen, he's going to tell you something today. You listen for him. He will speak volumes to you. You listen for him. And so, 
And so the more we abide with him, like John 15 says, right? The, the more we abide with him, the better we know him, right? The more you spend time with someone, the better you know that person. Okay, and, and um, you know, like even, even my husband and I, you know, with hectic schedules and he travels and this kind of stuff, it needs to be purposeful, to spend time together. It's purposeful. You've got kids. You've got, you know, kids that, you know, bring their kids over and, you know, the house is full and you've got dogs and you've, you've got, you know, and so it's, it's purposeful to be able to spend time together where, where you actually will hide away together, where you'll, you know, take a walk together or, or, you know, you'll do a class together. We'll, we'll date each other every week, you know, or, or, um, you put, you know, tell the kids, Hey, you know what? See ya. You know, we're going for a walk. You need, in other words, you need to purposely spend time to know that person. Otherwise, what happens as you become mom and, and, and uh, head carpool girl and all the things that God has you doing and your husband is doing all the um, work and this, 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 guess what happens? You become polar opposites. And, and you look and you're like, what, what happened to us? What happened? We didn't used to be like this. That's what happens in a relationship with Jesus. It's like, well, I feel so distanced from you. What, what? It's like, I never left you. You walked away from me. You're not, you're not reading the word. You're not being with me. You're not, you're not coming um, like to BSL and sharing and fellowshipping. You, you know, you're not worshiping and praying. I love you. I'm waiting for you. What took you so long? Come on, let's go. There's no condemnation, ladies, in Christ. Don't get in your head that, oh, no, you know what? I'm so far away and I haven't done it for so long. He's going to beat me up or this, this. That is old old garbage that you were growing up with. That's not true. That's not who he is. He's always waiting like the father with the prodigal son. Always. He wants to make you a banquet. He wants to give you a feast. He wants to put the gold ring on you. Yes! Excellent. Come on. Let's go. He doesn't beat you up because you come back to him. He loves you. And he waits for you. And so we need to be in worship and in prayer because, you know, like with my husband, usually the only times that we're alone to talk and share is when we get alone. That we can actually talk and share. It gives us, you know, precious time to relate, you know, our days, relate our our trials, relate our, our ups and downs, relate, you know, the interruptions of the day, relate whatever is going on. Or just just sitting in each other's presence without any interruption, without saying anything. Remember when you first met your husband and you could just like sit together and you talk and talk and then you didn't have to talk at all. You just like lay your head back at a park and you're on a hill. Maybe you put your head on his stomach and you just lay there. That's what it's like. That's what it's like. You just, you just the presence of being, knowing that you are in his presence. You guys, you practice the presence of God, not the presence of your problems. Right? You practice the presence of God, not the presence. You guys, there will be trouble. There's, pres- there's problems all the time. You practice the presence of God, not the presence of problems. And you walk through that, okay? And so, you know, in, in our marriage, we continue to give, you know, our, our marital adventure, getting to know each other better and better and better. You know, it'll be 25 years coming up May 27th. I mean, I can't believe it's been that long. And praise you, Lord, we got married in Maui that many years ago. And in June, we're off to Maui for a couple of weeks with our kids. And I'm like, Lord, you know what? Allow us, allow us to, you know, we look back and we, and, and we see how small our love once was. Because we know each other. We've been through a lot. 
marriage goes through lack. It will either drive you to him or drive you apart. And thankfully, it's always driven us to him. Every marriage. And it's the same thing with our worship and prayer with the relationship with Jesus. It'll either drive you to him or it'll drive you away from him. But when you continue practicing, worshiping in prayer and in the word of God, you know what? You won't fall. You may stumble. You may trip. You may, you know, you may think you're going down, but guess what? The word of God says you're not going to fall. You're not going to fall. Oh yeah, there's, <coughs> there's trips. There's this, this. But you're not going to fall. Because you're practicing the divine. You're partaking in the divine presence that we have inside of us. As he's working in you, you're working it out with him. And so what happens is, um, instead of instead of realizing, you know, after 25 years, you know what, I think we're strangers. We're not. We're spouses. What did the pastor say to you on your wedding? About he thought you knew Brian pretty well. That's what he said. That's what he said. He said, um, he said, may you look back at this day and see how small your love once was. And of course, at that time, you know, you could remember, you know, you're in Maui, you're on this island, you know, you're Ken and Barbie. I mean, there is nothing better. The breezes, you've got the lay around you, you've got all the wedding stuff, your wedding dress, your husband, you're just like, you know, I mean, it is just all the, you know, and, and you look at each other and you're like, that is not true. You know, when the pastor says this, and you're thinking, why did he say this in our, you know, and it was all videoed, and that's not true. And I remember, and I remember that was, I write that in every single wedding card that I have now. May you look back at, you know, at this day and see how small your love once was. Well, in Christ, we are his bride. That's right. When you first come to Christ, you got that, da, 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 too. Exactly. You know, you start to realize what that word really means. But then, as you mature and you grow, there's no bottom to this book. You know what I mean? You found out how small you are. Yeah, that's so true, Margie. It's kind of that same. Analogy. It is. But just as you say on this on this CD, is love is not a feeling; it's a choice. And and the same thing with our walk with Christ; it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, amen. It's a decision. It's a decision. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there are going to be good times and bad times, but, but you make that choice to stay. Just like you do with your spouse. You commit. That's it. There's no other decision. You commit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for sharing that. You guys, what they're saying is it's the same is true of our relationship with Jesus. Okay? Because if we spend time with him, if we grow in our knowledge of him, meaning knowing him, not becoming, you know, so you can quote scripture to somebody and make sure you point out the little speck in their eye. I mean, knowing him. Okay? The more you know him. Okay, but if you ignore this, if you ignore this, if you don't spend time in prayer and worship, you will begin to forget who Jesus is. You will. Everything else is important. Life is zooming by. You will begin to forget who Jesus is until a crisis comes along. And he shouts to you in your trials. And you're like, oh, oh, and you come running back. Running back. Why? Why? Why not stay right there, two inches close to the cross, right here? That's it. You want to boast about Jesus Christ and Him crucified and nothing else because I know Christ and the power of His resurrection right now in the midst of whatever wretchedness comes along. It doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter because in this world we will have trouble. But take heart. I have what? Overcome, which is the wonderful verse for script for retreat. Take heart. I have overcome the world. You guys, you need to know him. I want you to, to um, the takeaway today, I want you to realize that as we're reading through Second Peter, that um, when he says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. That's through knowing Him. That's through knowing Him. So that His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowing Him. Okay, Our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory. His glory, you know, is just basically His fingerprint. It's who He is. Right? It's his fingerprint. It's glory. It's glory. Glory. His glory is seen. His fingerprint everywhere. Okay, Glory and goodness. Through these he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and then what? Escape. Escape the corruption in the world caused by everybody else that's coming after you. Is that what it says? The greatest quote that Margo ever sent me was from Andrew Murray, and it says, when we are not captured by... Absolutely, let's do that. We'll, we'll absolutely do it. Thank you, Lynn. So, in closing, thanks for bringing that up. When we say, um, through them, meaning these incredible divine power that he has, okay, in us, uh, you may participate, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world, What? What is it caused by? Okay, whose evil desires? Ours. Our flesh. Okay, guys, don't be blaming anybody else. Don't be excusing anybody else for your evil desires. Okay? For your sin, for your evil desires. For it. Because guess what? There's flesh. The bad dog, the good dog, whichever dog you feed is going to win. You will always have those evil desires. You guys, I am telling you if, you, if you dwell on the evil desires, if you dwell on coveting something, if you dwell on this, if you dwell on, you know, um, whatever it is that you want, I promise you, I promise you, you're going to go down. Feed it, it will grow. Starve it. Starve it absolutely. Starve it, it will die. And so, it, don't, don't say, oh yeah, evil desires, that are, then think that it's just out there. It's our evil desires. That's why you have to participate in what? The divine nature. You participate. You have to be active. You guys, if you participate, that means you're in the parade. That means you're participating. You're not sitting on the sidelines watching. No. You're participating in the parade. You are a participant in the divine nature. If you're not, you're going down. That doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It's just meaning that you're going to be ineffective and unproductive. Well, that's all. <laughs> exactly. And I don't want to be that. Do you? No. And we're going to find out next week, you guys. We're going to find out next week as this divine nature and how we're walking and how we're walking. We're going to find out about faith to goodness to um, knowledge to this. And we're going to continue to, to walk up the water wheel of, of the divine nature and how we continue to be increasingly add those to measure. So who wants to close in prayer? Somebody does. I know. Somebody does. 